0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score Nord Studios. TCL, America's
1: fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily.
0: Oh, well, it's always good to have the continuity uh, with, with not only with that group but with every group. You know, the, it's nice to uh, get out there and practice. You know, he missed a decent amount of time, but uh, he's a smart guy and. Uh, I think uh, Josh and them work well together. Um, you know, I think Bradbury helps him get on the right track, so it should be good. That was Mike Zimmer answering my question to him today about having continuity on the offensive line during training camp and preseason, for the most part, aside from... Uh, Brian O'Neill missing a couple of weeks, but it appears he is going to play. Stephon Diggs is questionable for Sunday, and I would guess, based on practice, uh, the fact that he did participate would mean, not in full uh yesterday, but at least in some capacity, that Stefan Diggs would be on the field on Sunday. So here we are. We are... Hours away now, Judd, it feels like. We are counting down the seconds and the moments to Minnesota Vikings football.
1: Yes, sir. What are you feeling? I'm feeling like last night's Bears-Packers tilt was reflective of the first month of the season, and all of those people who said, man, this this game's terrible and it's no good, should prepare themselves for the fact that probably... Vikings-Falcons on Sunday and pretty much the first month of the year is going to be very much like we saw on Thursday night. And yet, because I'm a football junkie, I don't care. I'm still excited for it.
0: Well, so I was thinking about that because I was listening to um, Danny and Rami and Manny before this as I was uh, getting in here from TCO Performance Center, and they were talking with a fantasy football guy, and they asked him that very question, like, should we expect it to be a truck fire around the league in week one just because of what we saw last night? And I, and I guess that's a good question is, uh, do we just have two really good defenses there in Chicago and in Green Bay? Or is it one quarterback in Aaron Rodgers trying to learn a new offense and he hasn't gotten enough reps during the preseason. So he's figuring it out. Mitch Trubisky is probably not very good. So that looked to me like Mitch Trubisky will probably look against any halfway competent defense. But I don't expect Judd for the whole league to look like they haven't tried to offense through the entire training camp because last year we came out in week one and the NFL was setting records and throwing the ball all over the place. And the Vikings offense had a couple of hiccups in that game, but played pretty well against the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, there are some things that have to get figured out by teams, but I I don't suspect that we're going to see football that ugly all across the league, aside from one area. You know what that is? What's that? That would be those yellow hankies.
1: I oh, think early yeah, on, we're going to see a lot
0: of the flags. Yes.
1: All right. So if there are teams that have uh, productive offensive days, which there will be on Sunday, you will see also what you probably didn't see a lot of last night. I thought the defenses were pretty good last night. They were, yeah. We are going to see, and I want to say for the last couple of years or so, We have seen teams that come out in week one and basically probably through week three or into week four can't tackle. So I guess my point is we need to accept that September is going to be filled with warts and bad games at times. And it might be that some teams' offenses look awful, Matthew. It might be that some teams' defenses. It might be that we see a plethora of, uh, of flags from the officials. Now, the good news if you are a true football fan is I've got the musk to cover up the stench for you. It's called the red zone. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to sit at, No, I'm yes. serious. If you're gonna sit at home and watch games and, and turn on Scott Hansen and the Red Zone on cable, it's fantastic. Because what do they do? They say, let's go from that really bad play to three really cool plays. Um but if you're gonna sit down and watch the Falcons and if your expectation is preseason is done, now let's see the real thing and it's gonna be crisp and clean. That, to me, is the stretch there because there are going to be warts and flaws, And I'm not saying that it means all games are going to stink. But this is the new, and I think it's been this way probably now for going on five years, this is the new National Football League. Training camp starts, we're excited. And then we get tired of that. We say, preseason starting, we're excited. And then we watch two or three games and we're like, this is terrible. Regular <laughs> season started, we're excited. And the reality is, I think until we get to october there's a lot of flaws but we but people love the sport which is absolutely fine i just if we sit down on sunday and watch vikings falcons and it's not what we expect don't be shocked
0: right because the teams will get it together and it's much smarter to not have your stars playing in the preseason uh, that's exactly I, right. I would absolutely trade 3 3 and outs from aaron rodgers yes for
1: uh, a healthy aaron oh, rodgers coming out of preseason and to be clear off what you just said, I have no fix. No, there isn't. I'm with you. No, there's no. There, there's no if. If um, if Aaron Rodgers and that Packers offense had played three preseason games for a quarter or or a half, I'm with you. I ain't doing that. So I'm offering the problem with no solution, and I think the solution is just sort of sucking it up and saying I like football.
0: All right. So here is my thing off of last night, though. It- because uh, Meyer Metcalf's going to be on second hour. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that game specifically and how Trubisky looked and so forth. My takeaway, though, as it relates to the Vikings, is if you are going to win this division, three human beings better be pretty darn good. Do you know who those three human beings are on the Minnesota Vikings?
1: I'm going to start with an obvious one and say Kirk Cousins. I'm not thinking Kirk Cousins. Really? Because I th- Because Kirk is going to be Kirk. These people impact Kirk Cousins. Okay, quite a I'm bit. I'm going to give you so that that was guess 1, buzz me, I'm wrong. Uh guess 2, Xavier Rhodes? Uh nope. That's okay. not who I'm thinking of. Uh, da- Delvin Cook? Not who I'm thinking of. Okay. Because I I
0: don't know on Xavier Rhodes. I know Delvin Cook will be good if he stays healthy. I know what Kirk Cousins is. All right. Garrett Bradbury, Josh Klein, and Pat Alfline. If those guys do not play well against the Ooh, Green Bay Packers,
1: you're setting up for a fall.
0: I see or against doing. the Chicago Bears,
1: very creative of
0: you. Put this in an audiogram and tweet it. Okay, <laughs> if if those guys do not play well, you won't win the division. It's it, it is that simple. After watching that last night, those defensive lines, what they have done, bringing in Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith in Green Bay to go along with Kenny Clark and what Chicago has with Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks is only a slight shade behind Aaron Donald for most dominant interior player in the NFL. Mike Daniels now plays for Detroit, and I know you don't believe in Detroit because of their head coach, and I don't disagree with you, but I certainly believe Mike Daniels could blow up this defense, uh, this offensive line. If it is not healthy, if Bradbury doesn't adapt quickly, if Josh Klein isn't better than he was for Tennessee, if Pat Elfline doesn't really figure out how to play some good left guard, I mean if he's just if he's just mediocre to bad at left guard, Kirk Cousins is getting blown up through the middle and Delvin Cook is not going to be able to do what Delvin Cook can do. Because it's going to go like it did last year against Los Angeles or against Philly with Fletcher Cox or against Chicago with Akeem Keem Hickslash. It's going to go like that if those three guys are not really sturdy. And these offensive lines are better than the Vikings line, the Packers and the Bears. And both of the defensive lines just blew them up last night. Mm -hmm. I mean, you saw Aaron Rodgers getting sacked on rushes up the middle. You saw Trubisky, who's a great athlete, getting sacked. These two defensive lines, specifically Green Bay and Chicago, have the capability of ruining the Vikings game plan every
1: time they play them. If you're a Vikings fan, I would say off of last night, here's what should have scared you most. And it didn't happen during the game. It happened post game. Aaron Rodgers in that bleep eating grin after his team scored 10 points was based on one thing. The realization of, Oh my God, we have a defense. I watched that press conference and, but he could not contain his smile. But about can, it. but think about that. They scored 10 points. They did not look, game, they did yeah. not look good. And, and from the time towards the end of that game on the sideline that Aaron ran up to Mike Petton and basically. This bumped him or bumped him, Aaron Rodgers was thrilled. Aaron Rodgers was probably happier than any point I've seen him in the last, let's say, two years. So you're right. And the Vikings are, offensive line-wise, here's my problem. I I think it's too much to ask all three of those guys interior to hold up what you're asking. And in Josh Klein's case, I don't even think I fault Josh Klein. He's Josh Klein. He's coming off a bad year. But what you're asking and or what you're saying has to happen, and not just once now. But you're going to play the Bears and Packers twice a piece. Handicap what you think the odds are that those three guys, and it can't be one of them. Bradbury can't have a good game and say he saved Josh Klein's butt because that's not how this works. And we saw that with Joe Berger in 2016. Yeah, so where handi- he was good and the
0: guards weren't. And so you tell,
1: so you tell me. So, so off of what you just told me, which I don't disagree with, you tell me now what you think the odds are that this is going to go according to what the plan would be. How I think it's going to go? Yeah, with all three guys, because one of them can't break down. Like, you can't have one guy have a bad game and say the other two saved him.
0: Here's, I, Let's look at the schedule. I want to pull this up. I want to see... I'm, I'm, just I'm just saying Packers I'm, and Bears. I'm gonna, games. But I want to look at this for the full schedule for how many times they play a game wrecker in the middle. And then I'll tell you how it's going to go. Against those two teams, these guys are getting killed. Like, that's what's going to happen. These guys are not holding up. Garrett Bradbury, I think, is a very talented player, but the center, I mean, there's only so much one guy can do, and they impact each other on the inside. I don't think Klein is very good, and I don't have much confidence in Pat Elfline being a above-average left guard. I think if he's an average left guard, then you've gotten away with something. And Pro Football Focus put out their rankings of what they think the Vikings' uh, offensive line will be. They ranked all the lines 25th. So they don't think it's going to be a huge, huge upgrade. That's probably fair. The only guy that I could see being way better than he was last year is Brian O'Neill, But then he missed some training camp. So we'll see. All right. How many game records do they face? All right. For sure this week. Keep an eye on Grady Jarrett. Mm-hmm. But I think because the edge rushers are eh, with this team, with Atlanta, they can contain one player like they did with DeForest Buckner last year from San Francisco. Green Bay, it's a problem. Z- I'm t- I know that I've said it a bunch of times, but Zadarius Smith, if you watched him last night, he's a monster. And Preston Smith's not a joker either. Mm-hmm. Oakland, uh, Maurice Hurst is okay, but I don't fear Oakland on the inside. Chicago, so that's three of the f- first four weeks. New York doesn't have anybody that really scares you. We'll see what uh, Dexter Lawrence is, but he doesn't scare you as a pass rusher. Philadelphia, Fletcher Cox. So that is four out of six games. Detroit, Mike Daniels is there. Damon Harrison, that's five out of seven games. Washington actually has the most underrated defensive line that you're ever going to find. Across the board, they're good on the defensive line. They've got high draft picks in the middle. They're pretty good. So that's six out of eight. Kansas City has Frank Clark on the outside, but nobody on the... No, Chris Jones on the inside. That's seven out of nine. You see what I'm getting at here? I That's no, exactly what you're getting like, at. Almost every week, you are playing some game wrecker on the inside. And if these guys aren't good, especially in these NFC North games... The, it's last year we saw Akeem Hicks did more damage to this team or just as much as Khalil Mack did coming off of the edge. And now in the NFL, the disadvantage that your offensive line is at on the interior, I mean, you've brought this up, Judd, but it's never been this big of a gap, or there has never been in the NFL history this many amazing interior which defensive is why
1: guard linemen. Which is why guards are now getting paid.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because it used That's to be, well, Rogers we'll just Apple take the guy and it, yep. put
1: him at guard and he'll, he'll be fine. It's not now. No. You're not fine all. now.
0: Not at all. The state of guard play is nowhere near what the state of interior defensive now, uh, line play is, and it really showed up from last night.
1: Off last night, I do think, and it's one game, but I do think that Mitch Trubisky, there's something wrong there. I just don't think he's that great. He's not going to be that good. But that being said, don't make that then have you sleep on the Packer defense. I think the Packers I think the Packers fine. The reason why Aaron Rodgers is so happy is after all of these years, and think about it, it's been a very long time. The Green Bay Packers basically went out and said, We gotta, we gotta help them there. We gotta do this. And the other problem is this Mike Petton is a great DC.
0: Yes.
1: And I love Mike Petton because Mike Petton came out came out last year and said, I will never be a head coach again. I hated it. It's not me. (laughs) I won't do it. But guess what? I'm a really good coordinator. And so now Trubisky's failures last night are, are reflective. I think probably of some future struggles for him, but that does not make me dismiss what the Packers did. So
0: to your point here, three new guys on the defensive front for the Green Bay Packers, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary. He's their top pick. Gary only played six snaps and had two pressures. Preston Smith had six and Zadarius Smith had 10. To put that in context, I think that no Viking last year had 10 pressures in a single game that I remember. That's how much Zadarius Smith dominated last night. He has been a huge staple in Ravens defenses that have been great, and it was the most underrated signing in the NFL. And if they know how to use these two guys, Zadarius and Preston Smith... The Vikings offensive line has got a lot of problems going for it. I don't believe in Riley Reef at all as a top pass protector. He's a decent run blocker, but at this point, you're not sure what you're getting from week to week. And that interior, man, I mean, I, I think a lot of it will swing on how does a rookie adapt quickly? Because right out of the gate, Sunday, Grady Jarrett. Mike Zimmer had a great breakdown of Grady Jarrett today when I asked him about why he's so difficult to handle. And I have it here somewhere. And he said basically he reminds him of Geno Atkins, like a guy who is just he loved. He loved Geno Atkins. Right. He is. uh, He said, uh, let's see, he's got great power, great quickness. And then he said, if you basically sit back on him because he's a smaller player, he'll just overpower you. Mm -hmm. And he's he would imagine Zimmer being really impressed with Grady Jarrett. He is. So am I. He was one of Pro Football Focus's top players at the position last year. So, I mean, this is where everything that the Vikings have done on the offensive side makes complete sense to me that changing to the Gary Kubiak thing, the offense looks way better in in training camp practice. Josh Doxon, I really like that move to bring him in. That's the one thing that I don't know how it's going to play out, and I don't have a lot of confidence in that interior of the defensive line now that the NFC North has gotten significantly better
1: at that position. And in his rookie year, it's completely unfair to expect Bradbury to pop, to prop up his guards. 100%. Like, you can't expect that. If he... Garrett Bradbury in, in January should only be judged on one thing. How did he play at his position? And if the guards got their butts kicked, that can't be his fault. Now, maybe in a year or two... He can help there. I don't know. But you can't take a young player like that making the leap to this league and say, yeah, our guards aren't that good. That's not possible. Okay, I believe Sage Rosenfels is
0: going to join us next. And uh, we're going to discuss a little bit more about quarterbacks handling interior pressure. And then I have, um, there's a tweet today by Don Van Nada. You know him, the the writer. He's a Vikings fan. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to tell you his tweet because it made me laugh today. And I want to ask whether it's more likely that the Vikings go eight and eight or Courtney Cronin's 11-5. and Which one, if you had to put down $1,000, what would you say is more likely? We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. He, he's a compact guy that is very, very quick and uh, strong as well. Um, you know, Gino Atkins, another guy very similar to him, got got great uh, quickness, but then they can use power as well. So if you if you start sitting back on him, then all of a sudden. You know, they, they start powering you. Uh, he's, just, he's just a really, really good football player. Sometimes I wonder it when Mike Zimmer starts talking about great defensive linemen or great defensive players, if he forgets that they're on the other team and he'll just get excited. He'll just be like, oh, man, this guy, he's fun to watch. He's great. Like, well, he is playing against you. Well, he, Well, yeah, but I mean. Do you know what he is? You see him out there. He's like <laughs> me.
1: He's like me. He loves come, good come twins. On. Win or lose? I don't care. I want a great game. Yeah. His yep. face
0: lit up when you asked him that question yes. by the way. Yes. He it's,
1: was Gino he Atkins, actually, You guys. when yeah. I
0: said Grady Jarrett, he smiled like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> he saw he saw like a little uptick in his like in his emotions just like, "Oh, what? Somebody I like?" He invoked yeah, the name
1: of Gino Atkins, a I, man yeah. he loves. He definitely yeah.
0: loves. And uh I mean, Grady Jarrett is good, so that's going to be the matchup to watch on Sunday. For
1: sure, him versus the Vikings. What's the matchup there? Line. Do you do they try and slide and double it? So
0: I would say what they're going to try to do, and this is going to be the plan for everybody. What they're going to try to do right. is get all these the good defensive linemen moving left to right. That's going to be the plan. The problem of course is when you have somebody with the elite level quickness of Grady Jarrett is that if he has a sense for what you're going to do, then he can jump that and find gaps and blow up plays before they even happen. Right. I mean, so like the the whole zone running thing and play action is about getting people moving left to right Uh, or, you know, I mean, if you're faking a handoff and rolling out the other direction, then you're having everyone turn and block to their left, for example. Right now. That would mean that you get, let's say, your right shoulder on Grady Jarrett or right hand on Grady Jarrett and then kind of pass him off to the next guy, that kind of thing. But he's so quick that he can just shred those blocks and get into the backfield to be after your quarterback before you even get a chance to roll out Kirk Cousins. The other thing is that since teams know they're going to do this, I'm interested to see if they try to guess when the Vikings are going to do it and they blitz because they actually did this a couple times last year. There was a I want to say it was an interception by Cousins against Arizona. Mm-hmm. You remember this? And so they either blitzed or had their defensive end come straight up field as opposed to coming after the quarterback or trying to contain for the cutback. This is where Delvin Cook is important. And whoever their defensive end is just came straight up field. And as soon as cousins faked the handoff and turned around, the guy was in his face. And what cousins should have done is throw it into the stands, but instead he tried to throw it to somebody and it was picked off. And that will happen when you don't throw the ball away, which he's for some reason kind of refuses to do. Uh, but, I think that defensive tackles, if they're quick enough, they can shoot those tiny gaps there and shred blockers and get into the backfield when you're trying to do things that actually are advantageous to them. And you saw this last night. So Matt LaFleur has the same thing as what the Vikings are going to do. And yet... The Chicago defensive line had no problem getting in Aaron Rodgers' face, causing sacks and things like that. So I, I don't think, uh, even though this is beneficial to run this system, it's mm-hmm. not like, oh, if you just run this system, you're fine, and you can have a bad offensive line, or or that all these defensive players just won't know what to do. They know what to do.
1: Can I, after a quick uh, Game Theory question off last night's game, before yeah. we uh, continue with Vikings-Falcons talk, uh, what was young Matthew LaFleur doing Late in that game on, was it second and five, trying to throw the football? Second and five, how late in the game? It's late in the game. The Packers are up. There's like 153 left. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it got to third and five, and they did run, and they had to punt. But it's second and five, and Rodgers throws a pass. Incomplete, stops the clock. Yes. Third and five, and now they run.
0: yeah. I mean, sometimes, we've talked about this with uh, what Adrian Peterson used to be great at, was if you looked at his yards per carry in the fourth quarter, especially 2015, he's great at this. The, if the Vikings were up he was going to break a run or he was going to pound and, and you were going to get a couple of first downs and just wind clock and win the game. And with Aaron Jones in their backfield, they should be able to do the same thing. I think what we saw last night is two defensive lines that are so good that they couldn't really run against each other very effectively. And people were asking about, well, why did uh, you know, they only run a handful of times with Chicago? I think it, it's very hard to be effective when the other team's defensive line is playing so well. So that that could be part of it, where they thought, well, let's just complete an easy pass and move along. But I think sometimes uh, coaches do get a little out ahead of themselves and and don't keep it simple. Let me tell you about uh, Don Van Nato's tweet here. He is uh, ESPN, outside the lines... Best-selling author, like really famous writer, I guess you would say, Don Van nada Follows me on Twitter. And he is a Minnesota Vikings fan. Mm-hmm. He tweeted, I just met a guy on my flight wearing a Vikings jacket. We're going 7-9, and nine, I told him. I immediately felt bad because it looked <laughs> as if he were going to weep. Finally, he said, quote, I know, man, Kirk Cousins. What's your
1: reaction <laughs> to that, Jed? Wow. Uh, no, my reaction is I'm not surprised one bit. No, oh, no, not surprised. It's just... It's surprising, so bleak, it's, it's still, so bleak,
0: it's still amazing.
1: He's a veteran journalist who's seen it all before, and he's a Vikings fan. You, it's the double whammy here, so here's a question. Yeah.
0: do you think more Vikings fans believe like that Viking fan in the jacket that they're going seven and nine or what uh Alex Boone and Courtney picked that they're going to go eleven and five Did I say what did I say? Did I say eleven and five twice yeah. Se- seven and nine or eleven and five? Like the fan thinks. which one do seven I believe? Nine. Or which no, one do I think fans? Which play? one do you think more fans? I think fans.
1: Think. I think my my sense is that Vikings fans, after a year of Kirk, are resigned to it not being as good as they had expected and or hoped going into 2018. Now, seven to nine is aggressively bad because that's a Spielman's fired, Zimmer's fired, bad. But I don't. I, I'm not sure about you. I don't sense an optimism from Vikings fans. And I think the reason why that optimism is waning or has has gone away right now, Matthew, is largely based on the lack of faith in Kirk. I think there's an overall lack of faith because Kirk put up statistically a really good year. But if you're a Vikings fan and you watched all 16 games, you saw it. You saw the problems. You saw the warts. You saw the primetime games. You saw him shrink, right? So... I'm not trying to say that the majority of Vikings fans think that seven and nine is going to happen, but I do think that there is a very um cautious approach and and a lot of i think the best word is trepidation from fans towards the season. I'm putting this out as a poll um, okay. I'm going to
0: see what more people think. I like the Twitter polls as getting sort of a snapshot mm-hmm. of what fans think, because I agree with what you're saying, that Vikings fans after last year, after they saw Kirk Cousins struggle to lead the team, struggle in the big games, struggle against the Chicago Bears, whose defense looked fine to me. Uh They didn't pick off as many passes and run them for touchdowns, but that's even if they go 8-8, that's going to be a top defense for sure. Yes. Um, uh, so I think when you see that, and then when you see that the um, the Packers have improved their defensive line as well, then you start to think, well, you know, you got some big games against those guys, and Kirk Cousins isn't going to be able to step up, and everything else, right? So um, I I think that more fans will vote seven and nine than eleven and five because of Kirk Cousins and just not generally believing in him. Mm-hmm. But
1: I'm going to find out. But I I think the best word is trepidation. I think it's very hard to buy into the fact that this guy is going to be successful enough, one, one to lead you to a division title, which he very well might, but that's hard. But then the second part of that is, okay, let's say they win 11 games, like Courtney said. Do they win playoff games? I don't know. There's a lot of things here that, and I've got them on 10 wins. I think they win 10 games. That might be a little aggressive, but I think that they do win 10 games. But can I say that with a complete confidence, given who their quarterback is, and given the fact that they basically uh, tweaked and or played with the offensive line, and I like the fact they changed the this, this scheme to it, but they didn't really improve the personnel much? Can I be completely confident? Absolutely not.
0: No, uh, and I would be more confident in them doing the 11-5 and five thing or the 10-6, and six, which is what I picked them at, yeah. 10-6, um, if the interior of the offensive line was better. Now, sometimes you can see the forest through the trees or struggle to see the forest through the trees a little bit with football teams, and I had a conversation with Robert Mays about this at training camp, where he was like, so what you feeling on this team— and last year I said, mm, I don't think you're going to go 8-8 eight and eight, because I, I really didn't like what I saw from John D. Filippo or the offensive line. And I said, well, you know, I'm not sure what they're doing at three technique here. You know, Shamar Steffen's back. That's exciting. And then I was like, eh, I'm not sure about the interior of the offensive line. And he was like, look, I mean, you got talent all over this field. They've paid tons of people who are good or in their prime or late prime. And you have a, a mid-pack quarterback who has more weapons now and a better offensive system like this team should be good. And I I agree with that on the whole. But if anyone runs into me at the airport uh, in week four, when I'm headed to Chicago and says, ah, I'm still thinking they're going to go seven and nine or something, I'm not going to say you are wrong, sir. Right. You know? No, I agree with like, you. I'm not going to say that because I could totally see why people wouldn't have a huge amount of confidence in a quarterback that has never in his career been able to take competent or good teams, not great teams, not the 49ers from 1994, but like good teams, has never been able to take them anywhere. And then can they win in
1: the playoffs? I mean, we got to see. The and plus, here's the guys are going to, to get hurt. We know that. So. What's your depth like? Okay, well, if somebody goes down on the O-line, you're in a lot of trouble. And by the way, that's saying a lot because I don't trust the starters. But, you know, if Rashad Hill has to step in a tackle, it's a downgrade definitely, right? If one of your two tight ends, uh, starting two tight ends, goes down, that's a problem because the tight ends are going to play a big role. If one of your top two receivers goes down, and I'm not saying across the board that this wouldn't impact teams, but if you want to talk about is this potentially a Super Bowl team? Is this a team that can get to the playoffs and make a deep run? You have to have some depth, right? And offensively, where's that depth? Run, running back, I guess maybe. Although if Dalvin Cook goes down, and he very well might, but if I if I said okay, you can plug and play a tackle if if Reef. Who very well could get hurt goes down, and you and you'll be fine at left tackle for two weeks or three weeks or a month. But the conversation here is your depth, partially based on, on who you brought back on defense, is very shallow. Can we
0: rank players on the Vikings who would impact the record between eleven and five and seven and nine? Because the first tweet that I got was, well, actually the first tweet was great because it was a Michael Scott gif that said, I'm ready to get hurt again, which I think is always Vikings fans wow. when they go into week one. Like just, That's every they year They have though. mentally prepared. Yeah, I mean. If, the if you're far of a year, minute, I think
1: they were prepared to be hurt again.
0: If you're a Minnesota sports fan in general, you're ready to get hurt again. I just thought that was the perfect gif for Minnesota sports. Um, but the, one of the first tweets that I got was, it's all dependent on Delvin Cook's health and i'm not sure that i agree with that necessarily but saying it's all dependent on the quarterback is just sort of like well okay i mean of course every team is dependent on the quarterback but who else who not kirk cousins could move the needle give you an example here mm-hmm. if julio jones doesn't play on sunday because he doesn't have a contract extension it moves the needle if julio jones was going to sit out the whole well, year i'll give you one easy you would
1: give them two fewer wins right if Diggs or Thielen goes down for a month or more, you've got huge problems.
0: Either one. I would. Huge problems. I, I agree that that would be a difference. If you had either one of them out for a significant amount of time, that's the difference between 11 and 5 and 7 and 9. Absolutely. That's my first one. I don't even think I put Delvin Cook there because the running backs they have behind him are pretty talented. Alexander Madison is good and Mike Boone can play. We saw that training camp preseason two years in a a row and even Amir Abdullah. Okay. Let's make it
1: this. Who if, who could be hurt or out for an extended period of time that would submarine your season completely? A running back. Now, if Cook is healthy and goes ballistic and is great. You could probably get to eleven or perhaps even twelve wins, but I don't know if that—if him being out drags you down to let's say six or seven wins, okay? But I—if you lose Thielen or Diggs for a substantial amount of time, you are in a world of trouble. Would it be? Would it be one of the tackles?
0: Knowing how important it is for Kirk Cousins to not get pressured around the edge because he fumbles, and the, and the current left tackle,
1: is, as you pointed out concerns me already
0: he's not great but if it's got to yeah, be Rashad Hill, hill yeah. the reason rashad hill was able to hang tight in 2017 for a number of games and i like rashad it's hard to play tackle in the nfl so he's a decent backup mm-hmm. but if you have to play him for more than a few games you see what happened in the nfc championship game against philly uh with rashad hill so he deserves to be on the team, and he's a decent swing tackle. It's fine, but if Riley Reef was gone for a whole season, and you had to play Rashad Hill the whole year at left tackle, you're in a world of trouble. Or move Brian O'Neill the left tackle. Uh, I mean, that you're right. That is that's that's a huge. huge I, I think. I, but how many wins are these things worth? I guess because people will get hurt. Things okay. are going to happen, and we we know that uh, the receivers going down for any part of time is going to hurt them. I just want to know what the difference is between eleven and five and seven and nine for these team or for a team like this because i could completely see either outcome i lean much more toward odds being that they would go 11 and five than they would seven and nine but anybody who you run into and says yeah i think they're going to go seven and nine i mean I, I can't really fight you on it because it's a rational thing to say it wouldn't it wouldn't be rational. that's all based
1: on kirk right yeah i think that's it is. that's Largely based on what we saw in 2018, and the fact that there is a lack of faith in Kirk.
0: What about what about Harry, Harrison Smith? Yeah, I, a... I
1: think Harrison Smith is also. Oh, the defensive wise to that question.
0: Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be just offensive wise.
1: Harrison Smith would. Um, if Linval was out for an extended period of time, I think it drags it drags you down because I think the interior of your line's in trouble. Then don't you? Um, if, if Griffin goes down, I think you're fine. In fact, the defensive ends, Hunter maybe. I'm 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 trying to think of what would make you bad. Hunter would so, be so, tough. Like, so so like so like Dalvin Cook being out might affect a win or two either way, win loss. But I'm trying to think of if you if you went to a game and this guy got hurt and you got home on Sunday night and thought they're bleeped. So they're just going to now they're going to win six games. It's a small list, right? Yes. It's a small list. Yes. Diggs, Thielen. Harrison Smith, I you know what? At this point, I probably wouldn't even include the cornerbacks in that one. I wouldn't either because Mike Hughes will come back and Holton Hill midway through the season will come back and Mike
0: Zimmer seems to be able to scheme around Correct. shortcomings at almost any position except for the Harrison Smith position. When Harrison Smith was hurt late in 2016 or out, I mean, they just got smoked on defense. Your other safeties just
1: act. can't get close to him. Yeah, no. I mean, Like, you but, can't scheme them. You can't scheme Smith's replacement to be probably 50% of what Smith is, right?
0: The, right. The drop-off between Harrison Smith and J. Ron Kurse, who I like, sure. is, but is probably going from a starting quarterback to a backup
1: quarterback. What does, What does an extended absence by Joseph do?
0: I don't think it would be as problematic as you might expect or as Zimmer would act like because stopping the run would be a little harder. But Shamar Steffen could play nose tackle and he could stuff the run. Sufficiently? This is it's a little bit of a salary cap point, by the way. If Linval Joseph is not a top five defensive tackle overall and getting after the passer because he's just a little older now, then what they're paying him isn't even close to worth it. If he's not getting after the passer and all he's doing is stuffing the run, I think you could hang on for dear life with Shamar Stefan in there because he's just good enough at stopping the run. That position is questionable to begin with, though, I think, even because of Linval's status and because of who they have uh, at the other defensive tackles. I mean, Mike Zimmer was asked about it today. So who like how are you gonna manage all these defensive tackles? You guys kept a bunch of them, Armand Watts and Hercules Mata Not rotating, though I can tell you that after well, last year. I actually you know I don't like the rotation. I, I that's what I want to see. My guess is that it's Shamar Stefan and Linval Joseph all the time except third down and more than six. That would be my guess. And then Is Joseph fine now, by the way? I won't know till Sunday. Well, I mean, but what's your what's he, your guess here? My guess is he's gonna be behind. Because okay. when you miss that much of training camp, I, I have now seen this enough times with Latavius Murray, with Pat Elfline, guys who miss camp. It really takes a while before they're back to 100% in playing style. I don't know if that position moves me, though, on the needle. Like, what can drop me
1: for a few wins? Yeah, Defensive tackle probably is But I'm it? talking a lot of wins, too. No, I'm, I'm talking about what would make you think it's over. Hmm. Like, they're going to win six games now. And the other uh, question, not, yeah, uh, the uh, yeah. other question offensively that I would come back to is this: What would completely nullify Kirk Cousins? Like, what would make him? What can't he lose? And, and I go back to Thielen and or Diggs. Tight ends, if Kyle goes out, can he get by? I don't know. I would uh, think that you might be able to scheme around it. That would be hard, but I wouldn't drop it a bunch of wins. But this is what concerns me from the outset of the show, our conversation. What concerns me is the interior of the line right now, as it's starting on Sunday, might be his undoing in some ways. Yeah. I'll give you another one in
0: terms of what could undo Kirk Cousins, because definitely the offensive line. There's no question about that. It played a role in his struggles last year for sure. Uh, The way that I liked to put it was they weren't a Super Bowl contender because of the line. They certainly could have made the playoffs with that line. But making the playoffs this year, if it was, even if it had been last year, a 9-6-1, it's like, okay, well, yeah, all right, well, this wasn't what you were really going for, though. And if it was... Eight and eight or nine and seven, you made the playoffs, and your offensive line was abysmal again. Then you'd probably look at it and go, "This really still wasn't what you were looking for." I think you're looking for a big upgrade. But I, I would say if there's a thing that can undo Cousins, aside from losing elite receivers, that's going to hurt anybody. It would be if the Stefanski Kubiak thing is not as advertised. If let's just say, for example, you know, teams have seen Gary Kubiak offenses for so long that they know the rules on the offense. This is something that I'm curious about for uh, Matt Nagy. If defenses figure out your rules, if they figure out where your quarterback reads go in certain situations, then they can manipulate you as an offense knowing what you're going to see from them defensively. I think the Packers did that last night. And uh, if they know these Kubiak offenses so well then it's possible that it won't work out the way that we think it will. Now, if I'm leaning one direction, I say that Stefanski is as bright as advertised. I think that Kubiak probably can help quite a bit, and this offense is much smarter and much better. That's my That would be my bet, but if you're asking me what could undo it, it would be if none of that turns out the way we thought.
1: And it's basically out-schemed?
0: Uh, it's that it out quickly. other teams know what they're going to do, basically, yep. and, and they play to that. And then what you have is, so there have been bad offensive coordinators and bad offensive head coaches who have won Super Bowls because they have great quarterbacks. And those quarterbacks take over the offense, make it their own, and boom, there you go, right? Um Alex Boone had a great story about Peyton Manning basically saying, I'm only signing where I'm running the Peyton Manning offense, and that's that, yeah. it. <laughs> Which is not surprising. No, not it's surprising Farf. at all.
1: Favre said, see you later, Jets. You don't run the offense I want to run. Exactly. That, that. There are certain quarterbacks who are so good that they're
0: going to be able to make up for stuff. Or how about a Deshaun Watson? I'm not sure that Houston has any idea what they're doing with anything. But Deshaun Watson could pull the ball down, make a play, just block for him, make him, a right. special throw. Like he just knows how to win games and he's that talented. This quarterback needs that offense to be really good. Yes. And in 2016, when he was playing with Sean McVay, you've seen what McVay has done for Jared Goff. Uh, Kirk Cousins was legitimately excellent for that season. He was a top 10 quarterback in 2016. Probably, I think on PFF, he was ninth. I would agree with that from you know making a comparison there. So I look at it as uh, if the offense is excellent, then Cousins can execute it and they'll have a really good offense. But if it's only okay or not great, it's not like he's going to pull the ball down and make special plays off of that. You see what I mean? Yes. uh, Difference between 11 and 9, and uh, I'm sorry, I'll get this right 11 and 5, and 7 and 9. Yep. Getting ahead of myself. Right now, I put that out on the Twitter poll on my uh, Twitter at Matthew Collar. Eleven and five is getting fifty five percent and seven and nine is getting forty five percent and I think that's very accurate for how fans are going to look at this and to be clear into the season
1: to be clear for the record, I'm at ten wins, so I am yes much closer to eleven and five than seven and nine I am too because I don't want people i'm already getting tweets about I just suspect that fans are dubious, yes, so I'm not predicting a bad season, ladies and gentlemen. I feel that fans are dubious, and I feel after Cousins last year, and you missed the playoffs, you have a right to be. But I am expecting 10 wins. I got a question off of
0: this, off of the record predictions and everything. When we return, we'll take a quick break. Uh, Chris Long is going to come in. We have our Mr. Mankato. I know it was an unexcited training camp, but one player emerged at the end and we want to award him with the Mystery Man Cato Award. So Chris Long is going to come in at three o'clock. Myron Metcalf at three twenty. And through the rest of the show, we'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily. Two forty-nine here at Score North time for the Score North download, and it's been ten years. Since we all went on that magical ride with Brett Favre and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Vikings season, you can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolget, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition on demand anywhere you find podcasts or just go to scorenorth.com and click on Shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind where you can find a multi-part series Looking into that 2009 Vikings season. That's been your score north download. Now back to Purple Daily. I got a question for you. It's important and it relates to the. Every Minis- question important. It it's almost It relates to the Minnesota Twins. Or it though. is football. Whoa! Yeah, it does. Yeah. Whoa, baseball squad. They're still playing. What? I know. I know. But it's a football connection. Here's the football connection. All right. Got a tweet yesterday from a guy who um, was. Uh, he tagged a article about Craig Kimbrell going on the 10 day IL. Mm -hmm. And he said, you guys still want him now? Like, And I I was like, look, it's football season, man. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And and he said, well, back in June, you guys wanted Craig Kimbrell. So he's trying to do the old takes exposed thing on wanting one of the best relievers in the history of the game for a team that didn't have a good bullpen Mm -hmm. at the time. Shame on us for thinking that. Yeah, how dare Uh,
1: we? Right. I know. You got me. (laughs) I quit. He got injured. What happened? Quit in shame, actually. I'm done with sports. Not just regular. I'm moving on to the opera. (laughs) I am now an opera critic. We we have uh, land Oh, I was hoping you would be singing in the opera, not (sighs) being a critic. I have
0: thrown mine out. And I'm never allowed back in the building because I wanted Craig Kimbrell on this baseball squad that I think can win a World Series. Anyway, so here's my question We're having this conversation about the Twitter poll. Are the Vikings more likely to go 11 and 5 or 7 and 9? And right now it's split basically right down the middle. My question would be when, when are you allowed to do that when it comes to predicting a team or even predicting anything? Like, if, just for example, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Can I get old takes exposed on Kirk Cousins? When they signed him, I said, Yikes, a lot of money for that guy. Not sure about this, 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 and this. And last year, everything that I was not sure about... All came to fruition. Uh-huh. He didn't lead them very well. He didn't show up in the big games. He didn't win uh, as much as he should have. He had bad moments in the pocket. He made confounding plays that were just baffling, which he did in Washington, too. Throwing the ball backwards to Latavius Murray, the one that comes to mind immediately. He did all the things that he possibly could do to be Kirk Cousins and was the same player in D.C. and didn't get to the playoffs just like he did not before. Uh-huh. So I said, I'm not sure that that guy's worth 84 mil. I don't know if that's a good decision. And maybe you should try to go a different direction. That was my take when they signed him. Now, this year, I'm saying I really like what they did with the offense and think the defense is good enough and uh, their Mm -hmm. schedule lines up for 10-6 and and that they have fixed a lot of their problems from last year. So now, is there opportunity? Have I covered myself here, Judd? Because if he goes 10-6, and then am I old takes exposed on saying he wasn't worth it?
1: It's very tricky when you have a show every day. To be old takes exposed, you have to say something that even you admit yourself or me is outrageous. I agree. So, so, yes. But because here's the thing with like the Kimbrel, you want Kimbrel now? My answer is absolutely. Why? Because here's my guess he doesn't get hurt here. You can't prove he would have been hurt here. Got hurt in Chicago, right? So, like, if you can get into that debate, then it's stupid. I think it has to be something where you were just flat out so wrong that you exposed yourself. I think if it
0: didn't have logical backing. So I'll give you my worst one ever. Uh, Worst old takes exposed ever. When the Pittsburgh Penguins fired uh, Dan Bilesma and they named Mike Sullivan their coach, I wrote a big piece for ESPN about how this might be the end of their window. And maybe they should look into trading some of their stars, including Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby.
1: Wow, that's a terrible opinion.
0: They won two cups after that. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Right. Now, Yikes. But here's the thing. And of course, when they won, I got a ton of Pittsburgh fans. Ah,
1: look at you.
0: You were wrong about a sports thing. Do these first... people just save these things? Yes, they do. Months? They really do. They have nothing else to they, do. Though. They really do. Uh, and and that's okay if you have no life and you want to do that. They don't pay you for doing that. So right. they do pay for this. But anyway. <laughs> so um the point but here's the thing. Yeah. I did all the research and I looked at Crosby and I looked at Mulkin and I looked at age curves and I looked at their trajectories and all these different things. Okay. Right after I wrote the article, they made a bunch of trades. They got other players that came in and helped them. They added Phil Kessel, I think, after I wrote. Or Phil Kessel had not been playing well and looked like he was shot. So there was everything to logically back the opinion. It just didn't turn out how I thought. And I think the same thing will go if Kirk Cousins goes to the NFC Championships or something. It'll The way I would look at it is it was a very risky move when they made it. And there were a lot of reasons to not make it. But it worked out for them, which happens all the time in sports. That's how I would end up looking at that. And I would say the same thing about this offense. If it doesn't work out, yeah, at very least, you did all the logical things. You added the players. You got the right guys uh, running the offense. You're on solid
1: ground here. A very solid ground here.
0: I mean, I'm sure it's not someone expl- will yell at me regardless. Well, yeah, like, of course they will because they but, don't like you, but that's but, fine. But I think so, too. I think when it comes to the offense and it comes to this offseason, for the most part, I might have gone a little more off the uh, deep end on adding wide receivers like Antonio Brown is going to play.
1: Uh, yeah, of course he is. But that, that whole, that's, that's that, another thing. I've been old takes exposed about 14 times, and I still you know came out with him playing. Here's my advice. <laughs> As counsel, get out of the Antonio Brown game, because you're never going to win that one. You're never going to win that game. That uh, that game's impossible. We'll but see. We'll see week uh, three. Here, um, here's one I could be exposed for. If Everson Griffin is great, yeah, then I get exposed. Because yep. I said I would have cut him. Sure. So that's an exposable one. Yep. But yeah, this whole murky thing of cuz you're just going by also if if you are tweeting and or talking about something that you know the team thinks, you probably can't be exposed. Like okay. your your takes on the Vikings offense are probably being held or were held inside TCO Performance Center for months. Yes. I, you yes. think they're not concerned yeah, about Kirk no, Cousins? There's no question. There's no and question. And do you think they didn't say, we got to do something to help him out? They proved it by getting Gubiak. And they say things all the time that indicate that they are concerned. I yeah. think fans would be amazed how teams truly think.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. That a lot of the things that are getting said by fans and media, sort of fans through media, um, A lot of the time, it's conversations that are going inside the building. Even, I'll even go this far. Courtney Cronin and I talked about this a little bit, but like there were debates about whether to cut Corey Vedbick. There were debates about whether to cut Kyle Sloter going on in there. Of course. It wasn't just. Media and fans, or whatever. I mean, all these things end up getting argued over, and there's no doubt that after last year, since it was said by the owner, by the general manager, implied by the coach that Cousins didn't play well enough last year, and if you're a, a fan of the Vikings, that sh- it should really terrify you, though. You, sh- I mean, if you see the way that he I played, it in does the to games, several of them, to be fair. I, well, but that it, it should terrify Mike Zimmer. It should terrify. It does, but that's Adam my point. Feelings, the, the the things that we saw last year, the. Total meltdowns in big situations. Uh, I think that is totally worth fearing and totally worth voting for seven and nine over. (laughs) I don't think it's going to go exactly the way it did last year. If they make a few field goals, then we'll see. Um, They struggled with fumble luck and field goals and injuries and all sorts of things that maybe won't go that way. So I would put my money on eleven and five over seven and nine. But if you're the person, the forty six percent who has voted seven and nine, I don't blame you at all, and you can't be old take exposed on this because you had logical backing yes. for it at That's the time. That's not yeah. That- that's how You're I fine. look at that. Okay, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Chris Long is going to be in here. We will name a Mr. Mankato when we come back. We've got our official answer, and uh then we will talk with Myron Metcalf to preview some of the games we're excited about for the weekend and look at the, what happened with the Bears and the Packers last night. We will return here on Purple Daily.